Hi, friends. Thank you for being here on the Birth and Rebirth podcast. I'm your host, Tiffany, and today I am sharing a very personal story uh, with you all. I'm actually sharing the birth of my daughter, Soraya. And as many of you might know already, um, it wasn't quite the peaceful, beautiful, sacred birth experience that I had thought it would be. And um, I ended up navigating through a lot of birth trauma for the last two and a half years. And today I share with you guys um, me coming full circle and really finding healing and peace and completely shifting my mindset and using that trauma to ultimately guide me to better support women, honestly, and to really like sink even deeper into my purpose as a birth coach, as a doula, as a sister choosing to support women through the phases of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. And I hope you all enjoy hearing my thoughts and reflection on that birth. And I I share something really exciting with you all too, that um, I have a, a new offering that I'm putting out in the world, February 22nd. It is a journal, a very, very comprehensive (laughs) guided journal um, called Healing Birth Wounds. And it's over 100 pages. And it's essentially my guide to healing from birth trauma uh, based off of the questions that I asked myself and questions that other really wise women asked me that helped me ultimately come to the conclusion that I came to that allowed me to be at peace and to fully heal and to fully own my experience and not be a victim in that anymore. And it is just the best feeling to come out of trauma, feeling even stronger and more laser focused on what your true purpose is. And that is exactly what happened with me. And so I'm I'm just really excited for you guys to hear. I do want to give a trigger warning that this is a traumatic birth story. So if you're not up for hearing that, I totally understand. Um, but for those of you who do want to listen, I really appreciate you hearing my story. I'm just going to go ahead and say that this is our third time recording this story. <laughs> I'm not going to pretend that it's not. <laughs> God the willing, f- we are going to get this story out there. Yeah, for some reason, the enemy doesn't want me sharing this. Uh, the first time we recorded it, which was like when we first started the podcast, um, and it was awful quality. And then the second time, which was today, earlier today, um, we recorded like 
like two and a half hours of yeah. like of stuff to offer you guys um we were gonna like split this episode into two parts and then I realized I never pressed record <laughs> so we're here we're here and we're doing it um doing it so Third time I'm gonna it is it is um and now I'm even more excited because I'm like you know the enemy is coming for us and that must mean that that we got some good stuff here to offer the world um so basically I'm just going to share my my birth story of my daughter um it's not like a super blissful like beautiful sacred birth story um it's it was a pretty traumatic experience for me and I'm sharing it with the intention to just shed light on what um birth sabotage looks like what uh care from a medical midwife can look like and how they're very much just an extension of the you know obstetric system and um I know that I was super blindsided and didn't realize that when I was you know preparing for my daughter's birth of course um and after being on a long journey of healing my birth trauma, um, really diving deeper into birth work. I see the value in sharing this and, um, and yeah, so I just hope that, um, it's received well. And I did want to just preface with that because I am aware that it, some of these things may be triggering. So, um, so yeah, I, so I, my husband and I decided in January of 2021, while like the world was crumbling, that we were going to try to have a baby. Perfect timing. That's <laughs> yeah, what I did too. Like, like everything's <laughs> great, right? Like, let's have a baby. So we very purposefully <laughs> conceived. And um, in February, I found out I was pregnant. We were, we were just over the moon. Um brief like uh background on like where I was at that time in my life this was before I had gotten saved and I was still like very deep in witchcraft and new age practices and things like that so um in it was actually just that same like week I want to say um I'm pretty sure that I found out I was pregnant. I had also uncovered some, some memories that were like stuck in my subconscious, um, while I was doing some trauma healing work. And I remembered that I had been raped when I was 12 and it was just like a whole, like, you know, world in my mind had been revealed to me and um and it just really shook me and uh, of course you know at this time I wasn't walking with the Lord so I I felt really alone I, I I was definitely in a dark place um in general but obviously you know 
figuring out that a lot of these like trauma responses that I was experiencing were actually like uh, tied to this memory that I had suppressed for, you know, like 16 years of my life. Um, so, so that was pretty wild. And then I found out I was pregnant and um, I was like doing all of my Reiki. I was like a Reiki master at the time. So I was doing Reiki. I was doing psychic readings for people. And, um, but think like finding out I was pregnant really just shifted me almost like immediately. And, um, I was feeling like, uh, like nudges that I was getting from Jesus and, um, just that next month in March, um, I had a supernatural encounter with him and was saved. Um, so there was just like a lot of intense shifts happening in my life, uh, along with finding out that I was pregnant, which was super exciting, but I was very overwhelmed at that time in my life. I was also, um, closing down two businesses that I had spent like the last five years building. Um, and they were, they were my, they were my source of income. Like that was, you know, what, what I did. And because they were so tied to the new age and so tied to like all of the darkness, I wanted nothing to do with it once I, you know, uh, once I got saved. So, so I was just going through like major, major, major shifts. And like, I feel like I was going through this like identity crisis. Um, my, like everything that I thought was real wasn't, and it just felt like everything was crumbling and yeah, I was like just like, whole world just got, <laughs> yeah, flipped upside down. Yeah. And to add to that, I was, Uh, I had just enrolled to start uh, getting certified as a doula and a childbirth educator. And so I was making that big drastic shift, which, you know, I had been called to that work for like 10 years. Like it was 10 years ago when I told myself that I was going to be a doula when I was in massage therapy school. And so finally making that jump to do that was like so big for me. And I just feel like spiritually there was just really so much happening rapidly. And so I say all of that because that was what had my attention during my pregnancy instead of really preparing for birth. And I felt so overwhelmed with regular life, just, you know, the closing of my businesses, you know, trying to reinvent who I am as a person and discovering that, you know, oh, for the last eight years, I've been dabbling in witchcraft and doing Satan's work (laughs) and thinking I'm God. And now I'm like so humbled, but my ego was like being broken to the ground, you know? And, and, and so I believe that because of that, I was suffering <laughs> a lot in my pregnancy on a physical level. And I had, um, 
I had really intense morning sickness. They like, I had gone to the doctor just because I was like concerned because I couldn't even drink water. And they, you know, diagnosed me with HG and all of that. And when you know, did when did that start? The HG. The HG started around. I I want to say it was like week eleven, and it didn't really subside until. I want to say about week 30. So it was like a good chunk of time. Um, And of course, you know, now three years later, looking back, I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You know, I was, I was going through such drastic shifts and, um, you know, it, it was really affecting me um, like health wise. And, um, and so I had always wanted to free birth. Like I had my, my son when I was 17. Um, I watched the business of being born. I was like, I want a water birth. I, I want a home birth. And like, my parents were like, yeah, no, <laughs> like this is what your insurance for your, covers for your first, for your first birth. You wanted a home birth and a water birth. Yeah. I watched, so I watched Ricky Lake's documentary, the business of being born and she had a home birth and, you know, and she was just like exposing the, you know, the medical system for all the nonsense that, and all the abuse. And yeah, I I like ate it all up. And I was like, this totally makes sense to me. Um, And this is what I want. And my dad was like, well, our insurance doesn't cover that. And we're not paying out of pocket for that. So talking, talking about the midwife who would have to attend your homework yes 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 because of course at 17 is is free (laughs) yes so at 17 I was not thinking about free birth at all um so when when do you think free birth came on your your radar just yeah so it was about a few years after my son's birth and his birth wasn't super traumatic actually it was I had uh consented to everything that was done to me like I willingly did everything you know that took place um no one really was like trying to you know coerce me to do things that I didn't want to do um but it wasn't the birth that I had ultimately envisioned um but I was 17 and so for honestly for my age I I'm actually more surprised that it, that it it went as smoothly as it did but um a few so years birth, after so for this yeah. birth you knew that you wanted the home birth so for my daughter's birth um I at, by that point I had already discovered what free birth was so I was intrigued by free birth I had been listening to the free birth society for you know as long as it had been around, I want to say like since like 2016 or something like that. Um, and I just loved like listening to the stories. I found them to be like just really awesome. And um, but I I hadn't like really wrapped my head around me doing that myself, like prior to having my daughter, like we were just like, Oh, let's have a baby. And we didn't think about it past that point. And then when I got pregnant, I was like, Oh, life is crazy. I'm not even going to think about the birth. And then around like 
20 weeks, I was like, okay, we got to start thinking about what we're going to do. And, um, I had been sick, you know, with, well, I had been feeling like really not well because of DHG and everything. And so I was like, you know, I, I feel like I could really use support from like a midwife. And, and so at that time deciding like that I want, obviously I didn't want to go to a hospital. Um, and I guess that's not obvious to people who don't know me, but (laughs) I definitely didn't want to go to the hospital. Um, I was unsure of whether I was going to birth at home unassisted or with a midwife or some kind of birth keeper. Um, I had been speaking to a birth keeper in my area um, in the very, very beginning of my pregnancy when I first found out. And this was before I had gotten saved. And she was like a womb witch kind of like birth keeper. And so she had a lot of like influence from like the new age and, and things like that. And so once I found out, once I got saved, I was like, Mm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bring that into my birth space because I just didn't feel like it didn't sit right with me. Um, but I was like still nervous to commit to doing it unassisted because honestly, I didn't want to take the responsibility on of having to learn all of the things to feel uh, like a hundred percent prepared to make that decision. And because I'm, you know, uh, kind of a control, a control freak. Like I like to have all of my things in order before I say that I'm going to do something. And so for me, I couldn't even get to the point of trying to like wrap my head around doing all the birth prep required right. in my head required to, you know, free birth comfortably um so so I just at 20 weeks is when you first started seeing your midwife and this was so your hg started at like you said 11 weeks so you're already struggling with the hg and that heavily influences like okay I know I definitely want someone there to support me so you meet your midwife um what was that like yeah so I I had seen in between this, I did see an OB once, um, just to confirm the pregnancy and make sure that everything was okay because I was so sick that I was like a little nervous about more because of my dehydration and just all of those things. So I had gotten, um, that one sonogram at that, um, appointment and then around 20, weeks is when I spoke to the midwife that I had, um, spoke that I had been researching about. And, um, yeah, I basically told her everything that I was looking for, which was the closest thing to, you know, uh, unassisted birth. I want her to be super hands-off basically, I don't even want to know that you're in the space unless I need you or unless I ask or, you know, things like that. And I was like, and I don't want to take any tests. I don't want to do cervical exams. Like I, all of the things, like I was like, I don't want it. So, you know, are you going to be able to support me in that? And she was like, totally on board. 
she was like, yeah, sounds great. I, I trust birth, you know, I'm, I trust that your body can do it. And if you don't want me to, you know, do cervical exams and, you know, use the Doppler and, you know, all those things, like, that's totally fine. And I was like, okay, great. Um, and the appointments, like all of the appointments that we had up until, you know, the last handful, um, just kind of like reaffirmed that for me, like, yeah, okay, this woman is respecting, is respecting me. She's respecting my preferences. Um, you know, I was declining all of the, uh, prenatal tests that she was offering me and she didn't have much to say about any of that. And she just was really respectful. Um, so I felt really good about it. I just, in, to me, I was like, okay, it's just going to be me and my husband. I had later on in the pregnancy decided that I wanted my mom there too. Um, and I was like, and you know, she'll just be there if I need her, but like, I don't want her really to be there unless I need her. So it'll basically be like, I'm an undisturbed, you know, home birth, like I want. Yeah. She's, um, just, she's just there if I need her, but she's not going to like be super hands-on. Yeah. Like right. I specifically said, I was like, Hey, I want you to be really hands off unless I need you. And I ask, but like, I need to ask. <laughs> and, and like, I kept saying it in different ways, like, you know, because I wasn't completely, oblivious to uh birth sabotage or midwifery you know sabotage like I I was I had heard many of these stories um which was why I made sure to ask the questions I asked and say the things that you know I um said to her and you know I also want to like go back to the fact that I was so I was under so much stress in this pregnancy that I know like looking back that I was too scared to own my own experience and that's huge that's like the biggest part of all of this is that because I was so overwhelmed with life um you know and I had other things going on too I was in a core battle with my son's father I was living in New York City when they were do mandating um, all of the jabs and I wasn't able to like go to the supermarket and it was like, okay, like how are we going to like live our lives here? And so there was a lot and I was definitely in fight or flight mode for a lot of the pregnancy. Mm -hmm. um, and so I did very minimal, uh, mindset work to mentally prepare for birth, um, let alone to completely own my birth experience by free birthing, you know? So, um, so getting the midwife was like the next best option in my head. I'm like, well, I, I, I still don't have to go into the hospital. I can stay at home and that was the most important factor, you know, at that point for me. Um, I was also like hearing these awful stories about how in the hospitals in New York City, they were they were keeping the babies in the NICU away from their their 
parents, if they tested positive for COVID or if the parent tested positive for COVID. And so there was just a lot of fear around just like that specific time period, you know, like for that specific time period, but also like fear around the hospital. So that was Mm -hmm. like the big thing that I was focused on avoiding. My mind wasn't really on like, oh, what if my midwife sabotages my birth? You know, like what you if my midwife really didn't want to end up in the hospital, period. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um so yeah, I am other than all of the life stress, like things are pretty you know straightforward and um around like 37 38 weeks you know my daughter was breech and so there was a little stress around that like oh how do we how do I flip her how do I make sure that she's like in the right position and all of that and so that was really stressful um and then she finally turned around like I think it was like 39 weeks or like maybe it was 40 weeks and I was like okay well thank god for that like okay and it was constantly like am I doing all the things right so that I'm allowed to have my baby at home like yeah that's what it felt like (laughs) just okay I did this now can I have my baby at home um and so so yeah, wait, it was things. exhausting. Did you did you know that did you find out the gender? You find out the sex of your baby? Oh yeah. Um so there was a little funny uh story around that. So from the moment I conceived, we conceived, I knew I was having a girl. I had been having dreams and all of that. Like I know that God was just like letting me know that he was going to give me my daughter. And so around 20 weeks when I had, um, well, it was actually around like 24 weeks when I had had my first appointment with my midwife, she was like, Hey, do you want to do an anatomy scan? You don't have to. Um, I had gotten a blood test, um, like earlier in my pregnancy saying that I was having a boy and I did not believe that I was like, there's no way. Like, I know that I'm having a girl. Um, my husband was super excited though. I feel, I feel so bad. He was like, what? We're having a boy. And I'm like crying and I'm like, no, we're not. He's like, they're like 99.9% accurate. Um, so anyways, I wanted to take the, I wanted to do the anatomy scan because I wanted them to tell me that it was a girl. So we went for the anatomy scan and it was a girl. And I was like, see, I told you. And everyone was like, oh my goodness. (laughs) How did you, how did you know that? (laughs) That's just a really interesting part of your story that I wanted to touch on because I know that happens, right? Where you get the like, what if you get a blood test and then you never get an ultrasound? Yeah. That you're having a boy this entire pregnancy when yep. your intuition is eating at you. Like, no, I think it's a girl. But the test told me it was a boy. And then I, you give birth to a girl baby. So just go it, to show so that funny. 
the technology isn't always 100% (laughs) accurate. Yeah, I just, I think that's very interesting. And then you said throughout your pregnancy, you were very like, you didn't want to do many tests. Was, Was there anything that you did partake in that your midwife was offering you? Like, any of the testing or genetic testing? No, I didn't do any of that. I did, I did take the, um, the glucose test because she was like, I was like, no, I'm not doing that. And she was like, can I ask why? And I was like, cause I'm not taking that poison drink. And she was like, well, no, I do it with, um, like grape juice or cranberry juice and, you know, that's pretty much it and I was like okay well if it's that easy then I'll do it and and so I did it and like it came out fine um I mean looking back I probably would opt to well look I wouldn't do any of that again but like (laughs) um yeah it's pretty pointless but um I did that as well as the anatomy scan um and that and that and that's it um so so so, yeah yeah. to the the end of your pregnancy you said you were doing all the things to make sure you could get the home birth you wanted the baby was breech you did all the you know what is it the spinning babies to yeah get your baby in an optimal position and then what Yeah. And so then, um, and then we're just like, you know, playing the waiting game. So at that point I was past my quote unquote due date and, um, and I definitely felt the pressure. I started to feel the pressure from my midwife and obviously the people around me who knew what my due date was because, you know, that's just what people do. And, um, And that's why I just, I feel like they're problematic in general because it puts so much pressure on the mom and it's pressure and stress that's really like not needed because there's enough of that just like in the air because of like your own anxieties because you're about to give birth and you know, like the stuff that you're having to process and, um, And so I was really, really stressed from week like 38 to, you know, my daughter being born. Um, And it was around week 41 when my midwife started to introduce these like, quote unquote, natural induction methods. And, yeah, I kindly like declined and I was like, no, I'm, you know, I'm going to wait. And then it was like a couple days before I hit. 42 weeks and she was like hey just you know just so you know um like I'm not gonna be able to be at your birth if you know you don't do something like as if I can control um that but um and did you did you know that beforehand that once you hit 42 weeks she couldn't attend yes so this was actually discussed and I'll um I'll briefly you know say that I had the conversation with her like very um, matter of factly, just like, hey, I'm never going to transfer to the hospital. Um, So whatever like suggestions you have to do that, I'm going to decline and I'm going to end up having my baby at home 
unassisted if you choose to like uh drop me as your patient so she knew like I guess how extreme I was about that part of like not going to the hospital um and so, and I, I of course knew that by 42 weeks, she would not be able to attend the birth. And so I was just, you know, really praying that, you know, maybe the baby would come, you know, that day or the next day. So I just was letting it just be, um, until, you know, it was like a couple days beforehand. And I was like, okay, I'll try, um, the midwife's brew, which was disgusting. And, it made me so, throw up. So for people who don't know, the midwife's brew is like a concoction of things. I want to say you said there was like apricot. apricot, castor oil, and then was it like orange juice or something? What'd you say? I think it's like another juice, possibly orange juice. And then I want to say it was like some kind of like either almond butter or peanut butter, some something like that. It was disgusting. And um, and it made me throw up and my daughter didn't come. And then at 42 weeks, I showed up at my appointment reluctantly, but I did. And I was like, just miserable. <laughs> and she, you know, she was just looking at me like, so what do you want to do? And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I'd much rather just have my baby when she wants to come. <laughs> and she was like, well, you know, I can, I can break your water and, we, and, and that'll, that'll definitely get things going. And I was, and I just like looked at my husband, like, do I should I do that like I guess I have no option right like I I just wasn't I I was very miserable at this point um yeah. you know things well, were like really if if you want your midwife to attend your birth yeah then that is the only option you have which is yeah, where you, you have to at. abide you, yes yeah, you play by their rules and there's really no option or you get kicked out of the game. And um, and I knew I was going to be playing the game. I wasn't that oblivious to what I was getting myself into. Um, I just really thought like, well, hey, I'm a pretty bold, strong-willed, outspoken person. And anyone who knows me knows that about me. So in my head, I'm like, there's no way that this midwife's going to manipulate me into doing something I don't want to do. But see, that's where I was wrong. Cause it's not, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> it really comes down to like, they have the last say they have the, they, they have the last call. You don't. So yeah, it's not even really manipulation. It's more like yeah. <laughs> subtle, threatening and like coercing like it's like mm -hmm. it's like okay like you can but I just won't be able to be there and, and yeah. you know like they exactly. say it in a very very nice way <laughs> oh it's very nice oh very like in the kindest like, voice <laughs> so sorry but my you know my loyalty lies with my my licensure that I worked really hard for so if you go yeah. past this arbitrary date I can no longer help you. So sorry. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I, 
can't believe I'm going to say this, but I, I'm not, I can't even be mad at, at it. You know, that it is what it is. We all know this yeah. to be true that, you know, they do have a license to protect and they did go to school for that many years. And you can choose to have someone like that quote unquote support you at birth or you cannot. So yeah. looking back, I mean, really, you know, I'm no longer the victim in that situation. I know that I allowed myself to be in that place. I know that I chose that and that's just what it is. Um, But it doesn't mean that I didn't have trauma from it. And it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, plenty of other women don't have trauma from that too. So, you know, I really do feel for the, for women who, you know, fall for those traps. I mean, I, I did as well as someone who had like a ridiculous, like abnormal interest in birth her whole life, you know, always was like listening to birth stories, knew about free birth, knew about, you know, medwife birth sabotage, all those things and still chose that. So, you know, I get it. I really do. Um, But like so, you have other options is really the point. And yeah. I had other options. Um, so anyways, to get back to the story, um, <laughs> so I we're in the room at that she's appointment. Like, it's 42 weeks. TikTok, what you gonna do? So what do you do? So ultimately I decided, yeah, like let's let's just have you first do a cervical sweep and then you know do the artificial rupturing of the membranes and um you know like I said I was I was really upset but I I reluctantly agreed um and I I mean goodness gracious this that was so painful um you know she I was watching her as she was putting the little like finger condom on and she didn't have a glove on her other hand that she was using to slide the little finger condom with the little like prick on the tip of it. And every part of me was like, what in the world? And I literally didn't even say anything and I know that that was because like I think I felt so vulnerable in that moment just like in the position that I was in like laid out on a metal table with paper on it and like my legs spread open knowing that this woman is about to stick her fingers in my probably closed cervix And it's going to be excruciating. And so I literally froze up. And again, like going back to, I'm a very outspoken person. And normally I would not stay quiet in a situation like that. But I really believe that, you know, as women get closer to birth, you know, they there's like an energy shift, like not to sound, you know, woo woo or whatever, but like things start to shift and you're a lot more in your feminine. And so that whole like 
advocate for yourself thing that's like a very masculine thing to have to do mm-hmm. and that's just not the place that most women are in when they're you know walking into the birth space you know like well, walking into like the it's like the that's the design of women is that the closer you get to birth the softer things are supposed to become your cervix is supposed to soften like I want to say even like your pelvic floor like isn't it like the the ligaments or something even soft yeah everything about you softens so that this baby can pass through you yeah and just like you said, as a woman who doesn't, has no no problem speaking her mind, is very bold. In that, in that moment, you were very vulnerable and you, you, you know, froze up because of the, not just the physical position you were in, but also like the, uh, what's the word? Like the position your midwife was putting you in and like the, well, I have to do this Mm-hmm. So that she will stay with me. Like I have yeah. to let her do this to me. Um, and it's just, it's, it's so, so heartbreaking. Oh God. Yeah. Um, yeah, oh. it, it is. And, and so, you know, she went in for the cervical sweep and then she went on to tell me how the positioning of my cervix is not really like that great and that it's really high up. And that um, it was really hard and like I wasn't dilated at all. And she just kept like instilling this like idea of like your body's not doing what it should be doing right now, basically. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I just felt like crap honestly I'm like oh great um wow I guess I guess yeah for whatever reason my body's not getting with the program um which it's almost like my body's not ready to give birth it's almost like like maybe my body needs more time before it's ready to push out a baby but like thank you for your notes yeah traverse my most intimate parts yeah thank you for letting me know insulting me while your fingers are in my my vaginal canal anyways right like how I don't know like just oh it's just not it's just not helpful like it's not and it's that I mean yeah I just can't uh I can go on so so many tangents but I won't um so So you get the membrane sweep and did she break your waters as well or did she just do the membranes yeah so she she broke the water but it I don't know there definitely wasn't like a huge like gush of anything it was very subtle but she said that it was done um I immediately was like bleeding uh and she's like oh no that's normal it's fine just you know, just be mindful of, of how much it is, but it's fine. I'm like, okay. Um, and so I leave with my husband and I'm like, all right, well, are we going to run a marathon now to get this baby out? Like, what are we going to (laughs) do? So we end up like doing a bunch of walking. Then we go home and then I'm like, I can't rest. I'm like, no, I need to make sure that labor starts 
Oh, because of course she reminded me like, so, you know, your waters aren't really supposed to be open for more than 24 hours. So we really need to make sure that like labor progresses and blah, 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 and, and all the things. So I was like, all right, well, let me go and like do all of these things to make something happen. Silly. I mean, obviously my baby was going to come anyway, but, um, you know, again, just like falling in line with what that whole game is. And, um, I go to the park with my husband, it's like midnight and we're like, I'm doing like sidestepping and he's like coaching me through this. My poor husband, he was just like, I was miserable. I was miserable. And I was crying while this was happening because I already felt defeated. I already felt like I failed because of the way that this was starting. It was literally nothing of what I wanted. Um, and so I was really not in a good headspace. Um, I end up saying like, I can't do this anymore. I'm in so much pain. I was, cause I was having really bad cramps and it was definitely because she broke my water and, um, and yeah. And so I, go home and I, I was feeling feverish and I was trying to sleep. I was like in and out of sleep. I'm, tra- I'm tracking my contractions. I'm timing them because, you know, my midwife was like, well, I need to know like how far apart your contractions are. So you need to time them because like, otherwise, you know, I'm going to just assume they're inconsistent and I'm like, okay. So timing the silly contractions. And then I just stop. Cause I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm just going to go to bed. And then I wake up in the morning to like a huge blood clot, like really big, probably like, I want to say like a four, four inch diameter, like clot. Like wow. it was huge. It was huge. Yeah. I was like, Oh my goodness. I've never seen a blood clot like that come out of me. Um, so, and I see meconium as well. So I, I text her a picture and I let her know, and she was not really concerned. She was like, okay, you know, just, you know, let's make sure there's no smell to it. But if there's no smell, everything's fine. And, you know, it's normal to bleed. And I'm like, okay, fine. I'm like laboring at home, but I'm like, I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling very shaky, very like, again, like feverish and just like flu like symptoms. Um, but I'm like, Oh, I mean this, I don't know, maybe this is just birth. I mean, I know that that could happen too. So yeah, maybe I'm just having like a rough, you know, a rough one, but I do believe that because the natural process of birth was disturbed in my situation is probably why I felt so unwell throughout the process. That's my take on it. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, and so I asked my husband to call her over because things are really picking up and getting intense. And, um, and so she comes over, she asked if I wanted to be checked and I actually, I agreed because I, I really wanted to know, like, where am I at this point? Like, how much more time do I have? Because this is, you know, getting intense. And obviously, like, knowing what I know now, I know that that's silly, too, because it 
that doesn't measure how much longer I have to go. But um, I just wanted to know. And she told me she was like, well, you're you're only six centimeters. And I was like, like, wow, I I was proud of that. And she was like disappointed in that. (laughs) And you were only six centimeters. Yeah. And I was like, oh, wow, you're awesome. You're halfway there, Tiffany. Like you're more than halfway there. Like amazing. Like that was my first response in my head. And then like to see her disappointment was just like, oh, wow, here we go again. Like I'm failing. And this is like, you know it, it it's very sad to hear it like that but that's like ultimately what my brain at least was registering with all of this like these comments that she was making about yeah. the way that my body was pr- progressing the way my body was you know was just yeah progressing ultimately um in like a bunch of different phases of you know labor so um so she leaves and she's like yeah call me again when like things really pick up <laughs> and she I'm just like leaves. she just leaves yeah she left she what? left and I lived in another borough too like I literally was in Queens and she was in Brooklyn so I was like in my head I'm like wow so if she's leaving I I must have like a really long way to go like <laughs> you know I'm like judging myself so hard I'm like wow you're pathetic like come on Tiffany get your head in the game um so but really I was doing amazing I I I really was I mean I was yeah I was I mean anyone is is amazing at giving birth like you you literally just do it (laughs) the fact that we even judge women in it's, this not, space. it's not like there's really anything you can do to make yourself dilate faster you can you know just get comfortable with the waiting you move through the sensations you try different positions and just like really all there is to do is wait like there's nothing to do so yeah, yeah you're doing a great job <laughs> yeah and just try to yeah find peace in the surrendering um and it's really hard to find that with I guess it a just, medwife. Yeah, it just <laughs> surprises me that that she she left um oh yeah so yeah she left and then a few hours went by um I also forgot to say that before she left she let me know that 8 p.m was my cutoff until she was gonna drop me from her care so I had wow, previously wow, wow. signed, yeah, I had previously signed, uh, like paperwork stating that, um, like I would give birth unassisted if she left because I had declined, like prior to her even bringing up hospital transfer, I was like, I'm not transferring to a hospital at all. So like that, don't even ask, like, I'm going to have an unassisted birth if you leave. So, so she already was like thinking that in her head. So I guess that's why she just felt so, I don't know. She just very nonchalantly was like, oh yeah. Hey, by the way, if you don't have the baby by eight, like 
I'm out deuces. <laughs> and I'm That's like, when I'm leaving oh. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, all right. I guess I have four hours to have this baby. <laughs> yeah. No um, pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Um, and by the way, you're only six centimeters. So you have a long way to go. Um, <laughs> but I'm leaving. Goodbye. <laughs> you better be in better shape the next time I come around. Oh. oh, I love to be able to like laugh about it now after like all of the healing, but like, oh, it's ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, so she comes back a couple hours later. I, I tell my husband, I'm like, she needs to come back here. Like, no, um, I like things are picking up and like, I don't, I don't know. Like the, you, like it feels intense. Like it feels like I'm definitely like close, you know, um, to this baby coming and, you know, looking back, actually, if I had just had the baby on my own and not have done the whole thing with her, the baby probably would have come sooner, but because I was playing the game, it, it was just a constant, like, back and forth stressful situation so um she comes back and and basically I like hide out in the bathroom because I just was like I don't want to be around any of these people um like her her birth attendant I had a birth photographer as well and my mom and my husband and like everyone was bothering me at that point like I didn't want anyone around me and so I just went into the bathroom and I was listening to my worship music and it was like in and out of the shower onto on the toilet shower toilet <clears throat> and honestly I was like I was doing all of the things like so intuitively that it was really beautiful like the moments of being alone in the bathroom were some of my favorite moments of the birth the whole birth um because I was like praying a lot and and you know I was I was really stressed I was really stressed because this woman was telling me she was gonna leave at eight o'clock and I wasn't prepared to have my baby unassisted like you or at least I felt like I wasn't prepared um but I end up going back into the living room to go in the birth pool and she suggests to try to start pushing um and we didn't even like do another cervical check or anything to see if I had progressed or anything. She just was suggesting, should suggesting it. And I was like, I mean, okay, my body doesn't really like feel like pushy right now. And she's like, yeah, I know. Well, sometimes, you know, you just need to like, you know, give it a little nudge and, and, and help, help things out. And I'm like, okay, that's not how I, remember learning about birth but okay so I she gives me like a scarf and my husband wraps it around his back and I'm like holding on to the scarf and I'm like bearing down and I'm not like pushing forcefully but I'm definitely like using my breath and like and and like gently pushing and um it just didn't feel right to me. Um, it really didn't. And it got to the point where I was just like, I'm not doing this. Like, this is, this doesn't make any sense. Um, and she was like flashing her 
flashlight in my vagina the whole time and I, I had to like put a towel over my my eyes because it was like the light was blinding and and then I was like wait a minute why am I letting her do this and then I'm like can you turn that off but I'm like angry because I'm like why are you taking me out of my space to like tell you to turn your flashlight off like <laughs> what I don't so, know why but it reminds me every every time I've heard this part of your story it reminds me of when you like get pulled over by the police at night and they like flash the flashlight in literally your eyes and like into your car like looking for trouble like I feel and it's like that's what's like, the point that's like the vibe I get from like the midwife yeah. flashing the the, the flashlight yep. at your vagina so authoritarian like, yeah the authority i have the flashlight therefore i have the authority yeah anyway exactly it's, so did, it's were you ridiculous able to express to her like please stop shining the light it's bothering me yeah i was like turn it off like yeah that's that's it <laughs> there was there was no nice tiffany during this whole day by the way um like i i yeah I was not I was not nice I was so angry I was so angry and also I totally forgot to say that this was all taking place on Halloween and I do strongly believe that there was a big part of this that was spiritual warfare and Mm -hmm. like a spiritual attack because this was the year that I left witchcraft after being like really heavy in that world for over eight years and then following Jesus, like crazy, crazy shift. And and then I go into labor on Halloween night. Well, Halloween day, but you know, all of this part was taking place Halloween night. Um, and I was praying, I was like, Lord, I do not want my daughter born on Halloween. That was like a big thing, by the way. I was really bothered by even like having to like make the decision to uh, have her break my water, knowing that my daughter might be born that next day, which which was Halloween. Um, So I I just wanted to throw that part in there because I I really feel like that was an answered prayer for me because my daughter wasn't born until 2 a.m. So good. The Lord is so good. And I'm thinking too about how like in the alternate timeline universe where you were induced, she definitely would not have been born on Halloween. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um. So, so that was, that was uh, a sweet part, but I will get to the the birth part very soon. So, um, so at this point she's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave. Um, and she Again. had actually <laughs> stayed, she had, she had stayed a little past eight o'clock. Um, so I was already anticipating that she was going to do this. And she was like, you know, are you sure you don't want to go to the hospital? And I was like, get out of my house, please please like I'm not dealing with you um like just just go uh like you did nothing but stress me out since you stepped foot in my house and I don't want to say another word to you <laughs> like that that's really how I felt and and I expressed that to her too um and it's uh, another interesting thing that I later found out after you know debriefing the whole experience with my husband 
my husband told me that she actually made like a pretty rude comment about me while I was laboring at home. Um, Cause there was a point when she was being nosy about what I was doing in the bathroom. Cause I, I was in the bathroom for a long time and I kept like going in and out of the bathroom. And it was because I was going in and out of the shower um, because the shower felt really good. And she had made a comment about me being in hot water too much and it being bad for my, for my baby. And I told my husband, you can tell her that she can leave. I'm not listening to anything she says and, and say that word for word, please. And this was not like, this is not what Jesus would have wanted me to do, but I was so angry at her for constantly disturbing my peace. And, and so I, I said that. And so then a few hours later when she was getting ready to leave and she was just going over like the legal stuff with my husband, she was like, yeah, well, you know how Tiffany can be, you know, she's really stubborn. So, you know, that I, I, I know, you know, cause that's your wife. And my husband was like, excuse me, <laughs> are you, are you talking crap about my wife to me? Like, <laughs> Um, yeah, so she, she was clearly unhappy with me, which is fine. Cause I was unhappy with her too. Um, but, but well, maybe it's for the, bre- maybe it's for the best that y'all broke up then. Yeah, exactly. Like we just, it sounds like it part. wasn't working out. It was um, not. So, so she leaves before she leaves though. I did say I, I wanted to be checked one more time because, I wanted to know if I was 10 centimeters yet because I was like, at this point, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but if I want to know like, all right, if I do get in a car to go somewhere, like, am I going to have my baby in a car? Um, I also wasn't feeling well. Like I was really physically not well. Um, I was still feeling extremely like feverish and lethargic and um I was like throwing up at this point too and and yeah so I just I really just wasn't feeling well and then by the time everyone finally left I was like okay lord like what's going on like what what am I gonna do what do you want me to do um I, by the way, I was nine and a half centimeters when she checked me. I realized that I didn't finish that statement. Um, so knowing this, I'm like, okay, I could have my baby any minute now. But my husband had asked, like, are you sure this is what you want, Tiffany? Like, are you good? Because you don't, you don't seem like you're good. And I was like, well, no, I don't, I don't feel good at all. Um, and I was like, and I don't know, I don't know. I need a minute. I need to pray. I I just need to be by myself. So I started praying and, um, and basically, um, I, I asked, I was like, you know, am, is something going to happen? Like if I just have my baby or is everything going to be okay? And, I just hear like postpartum hemorrhage and it was very clear. It was like just only that. (laughs) And I was like, what? That's not what I was 
thinking like and I was just really confused by that too because literally postpartum hemorrhage was not ever anything that was on my radar it wasn't a fear of mine it wasn't just it never came up for me and so I just knew like okay that that's not my own stuff so I was like all right let's get our stuff together so now I'm packing a hospital bag while I'm like puking and I'm in transition we hop in my mom's Jeep Wrangler it's a 35 minute drive to the hospital (laughs) super bumpy new york city roads in a jeep wrangler um i will say that that the little bit of um i had done hypnobirthing because i had gotten certified as a hypnobirthing child childbirth educator and so i was that was the one thing that i did do during my pregnancy and that came in handy while i was in the car because i was like really trying to stay in like the most peaceful space possible because I was, um, I was going through a lot of intense like feelings at that time. So by the time we, we finally are, we're like looking for the parking lot. There's like no parking lot in sight where I'm like, what's going on? And I'm like yelling at my husband, like, I need to get out of this car. I'm going to have this baby right now. I need to get out of here. Um, and so we, we end up, he just ends up parking in this like mystery parking lot that definitely didn't look like the right parking lot. And we go in through these doors that were totally not like the main entrance doors. And we basically get yelled at by the staff because they're like, what are you doing here? No one's like, you're not supposed to be here. This is only for staff. Like what's going on? You got to get out. And I was like, I'm not leaving. (laughs) Get me a wheelchair. I'm not leaving. And my husband was like, you know, telling them to get me a wheelchair. I couldn't walk. It felt like my, felt like my daughter's head was in the birth canal. So I was like, you know, really like just nervous to walk and I just couldn't walk. It was a lot. So, um, they're like going back and forth with us. They're like refusing to (laughs) do what we need them to do and I'm like okay now I'm just gonna cause a scene so I'm like well I'm gonna start pushing my baby out right now on this floor like you guys need to get me into the room what is going on so then like he's like oh oh wait okay she's really oh she's serious yeah like she's (laughs) not she's not lying to me (laughs) so uh, they wheel me up to triage and it's this huge like dramatic situation all of a sudden 15 nurses come out of nowhere and everyone and their mother wants to like be a part of the drama <laughs> it was like really really dramatic and then we get into the triage room and I'm getting all the questions like what'd you eat for breakfast <laughs> like, what's your weight <laughs> what what's this like are do you smoke cigarettes and I'm like okay I cannot do this like I'm literally about to have my baby and they're like read the room guys read the room I am pushing a baby out of my body yeah let's get to know each other later (laughs) so so then she I I I kept fighting her she wanted me she wanted to put the 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 fetal monitoring and the blood pressure thing on me. And I was just like, not having it. Like I was just like, no. 
Um, and they finally did. And that's when they saw that what my, my daughter's heart rate dropping and they were like, Oh no, we're putting you in for a C-section. And at this point I had left my body because I had two nurses on both sides of my arms poking me simultaneously with needles trying to get blood from me. I was so dehydrated that they literally couldn't get a drop of blood from me. And they like must have poked me like 10 times the whole time I'm telling them I need, I'm pushing my baby out. Like my baby's coming, my baby's coming. And I'm like crying because I mean, all of a sudden my pain level goes from like an honest like seven to a hundred when I walked into that hospital. Like it was crazy. It was crazy how it jumped from like manageable in the car to like I get to the hospital and all of a sudden I'm like leaving my body because I'm so overstimulated and no one's listening to me like at all and um well, and also you're you're one thing you're number one like I don't want this is happening right? oh it's, like re- you, it's exactly <laughs> yeah. the one thing you didn't want to do was go to the hospital and now you're there so of course you're disassociating because your body is still trying to push your baby mm-hmm. out and it's like I I am I have literally no control over anything um okay oh yeah for oh. sure yeah so they're trying to draw blood from you they can't because you're dehydrated they're the baby's heart rate is dropping and they're trying to get you into a c-section yeah so the the like the lead doctor would um came in and she was like tiffany your baby's not doing well. Your baby's going to die if we don't get her out right now. You oh, need yeah, a C-section. And I literally just was like, uh-huh. Like, I had no, nothing to offer anyone. I was just like, uh-huh. So she left the room to go get the paperwork. And then in that time, um, I'm pushing and no one's even like, no one even knows. <laughs> and I tell my husband, I'm like, the baby's coming out. And he was like, huh? huh? And I'm like, the, the, and I just point and he lifts the um, blanket up and he's like, oh, oh, uh, a head. Um, nurse, <laughs> guys, come back. So, of course, they're like, oh, like, wait, stop. We need to bring you to the other room. And I'm like, oh, please, I'm not going to stop pushing because you you need to bring me into a, a special room. Like, what? Like, leave like me you in could, this room. Like, you could stop <laughs> even if you tried. Like, you could stop even if you I tried. Know. It's, it's oh, ridiculous. It's incredible that that's even a concept of like, oh, the baby's coming out of you. Stop doing that. Like, what do you mean? <laughs> I it's like telling someone to stop puke puking to come out of me yeah okay so there's so in another room so they are literally wheeling me from triage to the labor and delivery room 
while I'm pushing my daughter out. The drama. The drama. So much drama. For a TV show. It's a movie. It's like the typical Um, uh, birth scene that they would put in a movie, you know, like just all the drama, all of the just everything. So I get in and they they put a mirror right in front of me which that i i love that they did that because it was amazing watching my daughter come out and this was like my favorite part <laughs> it was just incredible um like as soon as as soon as i got in front of the mirror i was like i need you guys to put my bed up i am not pushing on my back i i need you to and they were like you need right now you need to push your baby out like screaming at me and I'm like I will after you push my bed up so um and and I just like it was like I've been sitting on the 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 bleachers the whole game and then coach finally put me in and I'm like yeah coach like all right I got I got this I got this like I was so excited to finally get to push my daughter out and it was the most amazing part if it felt amazing it was truly like ecstatic um and I pushed her head out in one push And then immediately following that with a bunch of yelling to continue pushing or else my baby's going to die. So I was like, after I pushed her head out, I was like giving myself this talk like, hey, listen, you can take deep breaths. Like you don't, you don't have to push right the second, take, take breaths and pace yourself. Cause I was being really like conscious to push in a very specific way because I didn't want to tear and all of that I was like I know it's going to be easier if I just do it the way that feels right to me so leave me alone um so I just canceled out all of the noise and I took my breaths anyway and then I pushed and on the second push my daughter came right out um and you know she wasn't she wasn't conscious or anything like that and they they didn't they didn't even they lifted her up and they like literally let me touch her for one second and then they and and she you know was just like had like no form it was kind of um it was weird because of the way they were holding her up you know like it would have been different Mm -hmm. if I caught my own baby and had her on me and she was like that but yeah, it's just the way that they were like holding her up and everything. So they quickly cut the cord, brought her over and immediately was like resuscitating her. And, um, and it was, and it was, I, it felt like it was a long time until I heard a cry. Um, but my husband said like, it was probably a couple minutes. Um, yeah. but there was like 20 people surrounding my daughter like when she came out yeah it was it was very scary they like Mm. you know um they they immediately brought her into nick the NICU she had you know like um she had breathed in the meconium and she had the infection that I had 
which, you know, of course I don't find out until later, but, um, but we did have an infection and I'm pretty sure it was from my midwife, you know, doing what, what she did with the, um, rupturing of the membranes and, and, uh, you know, it could have happened when she did, did the rupture, um, initially or the two cervical checks that she did the following day, who knows, but, um, but I did have an infection, which is why I had the fever and the chills and was feeling just really like flu like, um, and, and honestly, from here, it's a blur. And all of the information that I have is from like little fragments of memory mixed with my husband when we when we when we debriefed everything together he like tried to fill in the pieces as much as he could um but basically Mm -hmm. uh, they were doing the um the torturous fundal massage which I don't even know why they call it a massage because it's it's not pleasant at all um they I remember them doing that to get the placenta out Mm -hmm. And the placenta did come out. I don't recall birthing it at all myself. Mm-hmm. Um, my husband l- had left when they rushed my daughter into the NICU to like um, put put her on the, the breathing machine. Um, he, you know, he wanted to just observe what they were doing to make sure she was okay. And he quickly came back in the room to check on me. And he said that when he walked into the room, like, he was like, it was just a waterfall of blood coming out of you. And, um, and that was definitely when I blacked out because I, I briefly remember, like, I don't remember them giving me Pitocin, although they did give me Pitocin, but they also... I the one part that I do remember is the nurse coming up to me and letting me know that she was going to insert some medication up my butt and that it was to save my life. <laughs> okay, I just have to say right here that this shocked me the yeah. first time because the first time you shared you didn't share that part and so earlier today you shared it and I was like what? Yeah, it's what? um yeah (laughs) so that um I believe is is like whatever uh some form of cytotech that they use for postpartum hemorrhaging which I later you know figured all of those things out but it was very weird I was out like a light after that like I basically just slept for like six hours um and I woke up in like a panic like where is my baby and honestly just like in the weirdest state ever like um and my husband was super traumatized too and so was my mom um from just like witnessing everything unfold that like I could tell that they were like very like even like weirded out by the state that I was in just because I was like I felt like I was catching up with reality. It just was like a really shocking way to like, you know, wake up and then like your baby's not there. And I'm like, wait, what happened to me? Like, you know, all 
all the things. I was on antibiotics for this infection. And they were telling me that my daughter was going to be in the NICU for like two weeks. And I was like, wait, what? Like, no, none of that. None of that. Um, so what was it like when, like, after you woke up, what was it like when you first like got her and you had her, what did that feel like? So I, as soon as I could get up and walk, I went to the NICU to go see her and I started pumping and I did skin to skin and oh my goodness, it is so heartbreaking to see your baby with tubes in their nose and just being in like the little, it's, it's just, it's Mm. so, it was so sad. It was really hard, but, um, but I did skin to skin with her and I was pumping and I was giving her the milk in the feeding tube that I was pumping. And I stayed, I spent every single second with her, me and my husband took turns, but I stayed with her for most of the time. And, um, and I had been talking to the doctor and I was like, look, I'm leaving here in two days and I'm leaving with my daughter. So like, what do we need to do to make that happen? And he was like, that's, that's not happening. I like, there's no way. And he was like, she has an air pocket in her lungs. She, you know, like they were still giving her oxygen. So they were like, you know, at the level that she's on right now, like there's literally no way that we would be able to get her oxygen like low enough. Like that's not realistic. Like she needs to be here. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to give this up to Jesus. And, and so I had like, you know, all my, my whole family, like everyone that I knew was praying for my daughter to get out when we left the hospital and, literally the next day she was out of the NICU which was like a true miracle and even the nurses were like they were like yeah we don't know how she made that recovery so quick (laughs) like we have not seen that before and I was just like thank you Jesus um and so that was just like he answered so many of my prayers um and I know that you know the enemy would try to completely sabotage and and what he you know was making for evil and bad the lord took and and made good and that's exactly what he did with every single like part of my story because you know i i had i had taken a while to process this trauma like i was there was a part of there was a part in the beginning of my postpartum period where I was like really in denial and then I was really angry <laughs> and I wanted nothing to do with birth. I didn't want to be a birth worker. I d- just didn't want anything to do with that world. Um and it wasn't until like my daughter was around I want to say like a little over a year when I was like, maybe I'll get into birth, birth work again. And, and then I got like really intentional about my healing and was like, all right, I know I've processed this over time. I've went to therapy. I've talked it out with so many different people. And, you know, I mean, I really had like 
process this for that whole year and a half in different ways, just in conversations and in the different conversations that I had with people on it. But, um, and just sharing your story is very healing. Um, cause yeah. you, you learn something new about yourself when you share each time. Yeah. So, so that was really cathartic for me, but then journaling and getting really intentional about like uncovering specifics about my birth and about myself and like self-love and what I believe about myself and, you know, why I didn't trust my body, why I didn't trust myself. Um, and, and yeah, and so I've unpacked a lot of, of the things that ultimately led me to having birth trauma, you know, why I made the decisions I made, because of course, you know, like I said, you know, I had other options. I know no one was forcing me. I, I did choose that, but, um, but I do believe that I chose that because, you know, I, I, I think ultimately it was in God's will for me to <laughs> experience this clearly and to take some really good things away from that, which is, yeah, of course, which is what, where I'm at now, you know, with, yeah. um, with just the, the work that I do with women, you know, most women giving birth in our country are going to have birth trauma in, in one way or another and going even beyond that. I, f- I believe that we all have birth trauma just f- from societal conditioning and just from being so conditioned to not trust our bodies in many different aspects. Um, and, and so that's, um, I know God's calling me to really focus on that part of birth work and, and speak to the women who, who have that trauma and, and really just help them to see that it doesn't have to be that way again. And that you don't have to be the victim in, your life anymore, you know, and you don't have to be the victim in that story anymore either. Um, like there is a lot of wisdom to take from a traumatic experience. And, and that's what ultimately I feel like it's brought me to that place where I can now look at all of that and, and say, wow, like, I'm really proud of myself for having gone through that and then being able to reflect and shift my way of thinking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, it's so valuable to be able to hear stories like yours. And, uh, you know, of course I love a, a beautiful birth story that's has all the, all the good parts, but stories like yours are so so important not just for you as the woman to be able to share your story and that that healing of like you know getting it out there and being like yeah this is this is what happened to me and not feeling like you have to hide it or feel ashamed of it or like you're not um like you don't even want to think about it I think that a lot of women 
will sometimes have a traumatic birth and they just understandably just put it completely out of their mind because they don't know how to process it and they don't know how to deal with it um I think it's so good to hear stories like yours because at the end it's like and I and then I processed it and I sat with it and I reflected on what happened and the choices that I made and now I know what I would do differently next time and not only that but as a birth worker as a doula you know you now have a personal experience and testimony about uh, you know navigating the the medical system and navigating that that birth trauma so you have something even more to offer women who have been in a similar position because not only do you have like the know-how but you have the personal experience to be like you know I get it and it doesn't it doesn't have to be this way forever um so yeah I'm just I I love you and I love you Soraya and I'm you know, I don't know that you and your husband are ever going to have another baby, but if you do, I'm so looking forward to just witnessing um, what that would be like for you. Um, but I remember yeah. you, I remember you saying um, that you have a birth trauma debrief offering that is going to be coming out soon. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah. So I, so I currently offer birth trauma debrief sessions, but, and that's just like a one-on-one call where we just go over the birth from start to finish. And, um, and yeah, like I said, just sharing this story can be super healing and having someone to reflect on things with can be really helpful, but something that the Lord has recently put on my heart that I'm super excited about because I was not planning for this whatsoever, um, is this guided journal that I just made in the last two weeks. And I can't even believe that I produced it so quickly because it's so thorough. It's like 120 pages and it is basically every single thing I went through to get to the place where I am at, like all of the questions that I asked myself, all of the questions that other women asked me about my birth that helped me discover things about the birth and stuff like that and different exercises that I did as well and prayers. And so that's called healing birth wounds and it's it's meant for the postpartum mama who's navigating birth trauma and um and I'm just so excited to put it out there because I mean if I had something like that to work with immediately postpartum after Soraya's birth I probably would be at this place like in half the time or less but um but yeah, I mean, it, it's so yeah, that's going to be available on Amazon or my website, um, February 20th. And yeah, I hope you all love it. Yeah, I think it's going to be really great. It's going to have a lot of value. 
Thank you, girl. And thank you for listening to my birth story three times. You're the best. I will listen to your birth story <laughs> as many times as you would like to share it with me because I do love you. And yeah. All righty. Well, all right, I'll talk my girl. To you later. See ya. Bye.